With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up, Open Floor Globe? This is Ben Golfer with the Washington Post. I am joined on the other line by Michael the Pod Pina. Michael, another day, another dollar out here at the NBA's Orlando bubble. It's been a pretty exciting couple days, I gotta say. They opened up practice to the media. We got to hear from LeBron James, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and a number of other star-level players. We got to see what the actual practice courts look like. In some cases, it's pretty funny. They've got converted ballrooms, like where you would go for a a wedding or a sales convention maybe, have been turned into NBA practice courts. Um, And we've also just kind of gotten our, our first taste of how guys are feeling I guess, in person, you know, getting to kind of read their faces and their body language and and watch them kind of ramp up here as scrimmages start this week uh, and NBA games start next week. I mean, there's been a lot of content, you know, not only just the the fishing stories and the golfing stories, but I think, you know, more basketball related content, guys being in the gym, uh, you know, guys, uh, you know, addressing the media in these Zoom conference calls with reporters present. I'm curious, uh, what's really struck your eye, Michael? Has there been something here over the last couple of days that's uh, maybe got you eager to watch these scrimmages or or got you excited for the start of the season next week? I mean, it was just, I guess, good to see, you know, the stars, the biggest stars in the sport, like LeBron speak publicly for really the first time in a media setting. Giannis speak and laugh and joke about how... I really loved him saying that the reports of him not having access to a gym, anyone who knows him knows that that's obviously not true. He was just trying to get a leg up on the competition. That stuff was awesome. You know Um, what's funny about that real quick, just to interject? mm -hmm. He got me Uh, because I'm so, you know, as a Giannis Inc. investor, I'm so emotionally invested at his development. And the idea that he was without a gym panicked me. I know it's panicked a few other uh, Bucks super fans. So his comment about, oh, people who know me know I would have a gym. You scared everybody, Giannis. You got to stop playing with our heart, okay? 
Yeah, and then I mean, I'm for me, I'm like scroll, scrolling through your Twitter timeline or Instagram, and you go from that clip to him shooting threes, and I know you just must be so excited. I, I was surprised that you were able to hold your cell phone steady, honestly. Well, let me ask you a question because I did post this clip on Twitter. Um, he hit five straight corner threes with a dribble in between, and he was putting on a shooting exhibition. Rachel Nichols had an awesome video of some of his more complicated crossover step back threes and all this different stuff. Um, are we in a situation with the where the in the bubble where the typical, I think, intellectual uh, approach to these kinds of things? Oh, it's just a practice clip. Don't get overexcited. Like that's the smart take usually. Does the bubble kind of give you an amnesty from that line of thinking? Are we allowed to just freak out and say the Milwaukee Bucks are going to win the title because Giannis hit five threes in the corner unguarded um, for the first time we've been able to watch him in four months? Like, are we allowed to have those kinds of overreactions, Michael? Are you with me there on that one? No, I'm not. You're a fool for thinking that. It's just practice. There's no defender. It's, you know, it's like he shot, what, 30%? Uh, from behind the three-point line during the season. And I'm sure during all the practices in January and October, he was draining corner threes wide open. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not putting any stock into it. Sorry. I'm putting a lot of stock into it, Michael. I'm over the <laughs> I'm over the moon about it. Um, I've watched Giannis shoot a lot over the years, you know, just before games, any chance I get, playoff games, things like that. Um, he doesn't shoot a very high percentage unguarded, usually. Um, and it was always kind of worrisome. He had one... Uh, pre-game workout in LA this year where I think he shot like 25 to 30 percent on three-pointers from various spots like you know unguarded you know with with a coach feeding him the ball I mean that is not a typical it's not going to get you entry to the Curry family let's put it that way right when those guys are banging like 90 percent of their threes before a game I've never seen him shoot the ball this well now it's still not perfectly smooth it's a little bit of a shot put um, it was a real clinic. I mean, he was going shot for shot with like Marvin Williams, um, you know, who's who's known more of as a floor spacer and a shooter for that team. Uh, you know, Bud was watching. The media members were looking at each other like, this is the same Giannis, right? The guy who everybody said can't shoot. It was different, Michael. There was a little buzz in that gym. And I know I'm getting in and sounding crazy like I'm on the hype train already. Uh, but it was a moment. And it's been a while since we've had one. So that's probably why I'm even more excited than usual. We just, uh, you know, to see these guys doing what they have done basically their whole lives to, you know, doing what they're doing to come down here, you know, uh, and kind of putting their family to the side. And a number of the players have spoken about that and how much they miss their family members to kind of pursue their craft and to see some progress on some of that front. It was, it was really nice. It was a sight for sore eyes. So, yeah, before we move on from Giannis, I I come at it with a really uh, unique lens because I've been working on this story. I don't want to step on it, but I've been working on this story for a little bit kind of about the the one dribble pull-up three. And Giannis, I believe, is one of the league leaders in per game one dribble pull-up threes. So when I saw that clip, you're like right in my wheelhouse because I've been thinking about them a ton like a weirdo. And when I saw him just uh, uh, take them five in a row and drill them all, it like triggered something in my brain, like some pleasure sensation that I, it, it, I'm a weirdo, but that's kind of where I was coming from when I saw those. But I still don't think that it's anything to get too excited about. Well, I'd rather be in your wheelhouse than your doghouse, and I'm <laughs> totally comfortable triggering all of your pleasure sensations, Michael. It's no Beautiful. problem whatsoever. Uh, that's what I'm here <laughs> for. That's what I'm here for. The content that triggers pleasure sensations. Um, no, I... I like that one dribble shot personally. Like, 
to me, it's harder to shoot standstill. Um, you know, and I would, as a, when I was shooting, I used to always try to get at least one dribble into a shot just for a little bit of momentum. Um, it helps you get into your mechanics a little bit smoother. So I cannot wait to read that story from you. Um, you know, I should have interviewed you. Oh my goodness. You're, you're, this is like incredible feedback here. Oh, well, I'm available. You know that. (laughs) You know how to reach me, Michael, twice a week uh, on this episode. Uh, The Bucks have a real interesting way about them. Um, it's it's so funny because it's a team that was almost on pace for 70 wins, right? I mean, they were a ridiculous team. Even Celtics homers like you could say the Bucks had a great regular season, right? It's indisputable. Incredible point differential, uh, you know, rolling out all these double-digit, you know, 20-point victories and all that. They have a real focus here, um, and they don't have everybody. You know, Bledsoe's not here yet, but they just have a nice vibe to them. And it's my wheels started turning as I was watching their practice, not just because of Giannis, but just th- their whole vibe. You know, th- they kind of get painted as this new age Spurs, right? It's mm-hmm. just not really, you know, a huge in front of the cameras. They're not trying to have splashy lines. You know, you know, LeBron starts to bring up the MVP conversation a little bit when it's Giannis's turn to talk about it. You know, he's downplaying and says, "Oh, I just care about the the, the Larry O'Brien Trophy." They're not trying to stoke rivalries necessarily, and there are a few exceptions. You know, Giannis went at Harden back in in February and everything else, but for the most part, they're strictly business and they're small market. And I think people see them as boring. And Coach Bud is one of the most intentionally boring. It's incredible. <laughs> It's so impressive how intentionally boring he is on a regular basis. Um, he changes his voice patterns for the media every time. It's just great. Um, I'm just wondering, if these guys are the New Age Spurs, is it possible that they sort of come in here and ruin all the storylines and just walk out of this you know, bubble with a title and they don't care about the Lakers hype. They don't care about the Clippers versus the Lakers. They don't care about the rising fortunes of Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics. Like they just kind of put all those stories to bed in a very clinical, boring fashion. They just hit a bunch of three pointers, play disciplined defense, and walk out of this thing with a title, sort of like the that first Spurs title during the uh, the lockout year. Can you see that developing? Is it a possibility? It's for sure a possibility. I mean, they're one of five or six actual championship contenders i would say uh i i think also aligned with this discussion is just a a couple things one that there were four months off and so we have this inclination to connect everything that we're about to see to everything that we did see during the regular season which could be a mistake i guess we'll we'll all find out there could be major upsets that are in the pipeline, you know, like if Milwaukee wins it all, I wouldn't be surprised. If Milwaukee loses to the Miami Heat in the second round, I also wouldn't be surprised. Um, and then like the other part of this is just, you know, if they do roll through and win it all, uh, like congrats to them. It, it, it just kind of also ties into the asterisk conversation that we've had uh, several times over the past few weeks. And you know, one of the aspects of that asterisk discussion is just players who are leaving the bubble. It's like players are not testing positive in the bubble, right? But players are leaving the bubble because uh, family members are presumably, I mean, they're having health emergencies and one is only to connect that to COVID, I would imagine. Uh, And so, you know, you have Pat Beverly, who is a really important player for the Los Angeles Clippers, who recently had to leave the bubble. You have uh, Montrezl Harrell with the Clippers, and also a very important player who had to leave the bubble. 
Um, Zion Williamson, obviously, who's not necessarily on a title contender, but is a very important character in all of this, has left the bubble, and we don't know when he'll return. So as we go on over the next few months, you know, there could be more significant pieces and players who have to leave, don't necessarily test positive, but have to leave and then come back in quarantine. And that is where the asterisk really shines, in my opinion. So I do think that the Bucks could win it all, for sure. But if they do, and, you know, Anthony Davis has to leave to deal with a family matter, I don't, you know, I think history will look at it a little differently. Can I ask you a question that's really a personal attack? Sure. Have you ever been accused of being a wet blanket, Michael? I come on here <laughs> so excited about Giannis hitting three-pointers, and you're going to tell me that uh, because a couple guys had to leave the bubble for undisclosed medical emergencies, now all of a sudden the asterisk shines even brighter. Do you, you don't feel a little bad at all trying to just puncture my excitement? Just not even a little bit? I mean, you say wet blanket. I say voice of reason, you know, tomato, tomato, Ben. That's just where I'm coming from. I got to temper the expectations that you have here. For sure. So on the family emergency stuff, it could be a lot of things, by the way. You know, it could be coronavirus related. It could just be a family member on their deathbed. It could be a serious illness. It could be, uh, you know, potentially a a pregnancy, a birth. I mean, it could be a lot of different things. And I think they're leaving all of this, uh, you know, as oblique as possible because they realize that, you know, players do enjoy a level of privacy on that kind of stuff during the Mm -hmm. season where they don't necessarily have to explain every single absence. You can have cover stories. Uh, Here, you can't say, oh, a guy was feeling ill. um, And that's why he missed it as kind of the cover story for, oh, he went to his grandma's funeral. So I do think because they have to leave the bubble, right? So I think that they're trying to protect these guys uh, in whatever way they can. And it's going to lead to a lot of confusion, you know, because we're going to be all as media members, wondering and speculating well, where are guys are they going to be able to get back in just to quickly recap the procedure for re-entering if players who leave are able to get tested every single day they only need to quarantine for four days upon their return if guys who leave aren't able to be tested every single day they could potentially quarantine for up to two weeks upon their return um, or it could be around 10 days as well so that process matters a lot, and you know we'll, we'll see if the teams are able to make sure guys can get tested, line up those tests. I mean, you could imagine a situation where if you were trying to attend a funeral, uh, you know, back at home, and, and you know, home is maybe not a major uh, metropolitan area, it could be challenging to, to get yourself a test uh, and get yourself a test with results on a timely basis. So those kinds of logistics are going to play a factor here, and we're going to see you know our players hung up in, in the quarantine or not. Uh, we'll have to wait to see how that plays out. It's just one more big question mark kind of hanging over everything here. All right, um, question for you, um, and related to the Giannis shooting, we talked about Simmons. You know, is he going to become a better shooter without the crowd? You know, without the social anxiety. And we've mentioned a few other players. Are they going to perform better or worse in the empty gym environment? Uh, the coaches down here don't really want to tip their hands too much on maybe what they're prioritizing or how they're, uh, you know, they're, they're bringing up the issue of not having crowds to their players. You know, Coach Bud was like, well, I'm used to the empty gym. I played basketball in Division Three. It's like, thanks, Coach Bud. Like, maybe just tell us a few things that you're trying to uh, you're, you're trying to tweak here and there. Um, but they all know what's an issue. It's obviously an issue. One guy we didn't talk about with that is Giannis. Do you think he winds up? potentially being a more confident and reliable shooter 
in an empty gym as compared to uh, you know a, a place where twenty thousand Bucks fans are screaming and hoping he makes it, or the adverse circumstances on the road against a Toronto or a Boston where maybe it's trickier to shoot, or is this all just complete over analysis based on uh, you know one viral clip? <laughs> based on us needing something to talk about, yeah. Um, I I think it's uh, it's impossible to know the answer to this question. I I think that. It's very case by case for every single player. I think some players will be impacted by not having the crowd noise at all, particularly at the free throw line where I think it's going to be really weird because, you know, everyone is just obviously everyone's watching you as it is, but you can kind of get out of your head a little bit by there's all these different methods when you're at the line and you try to not think too much. But when it's just like stone silent in the gym, I I think being at the free throw line is going to be really lonely. Um, and Giannis, I mean, he's just, I I think at the end of the day, if you're like not a good three point shooter, whether or not there's noise in the building is not going to impact you that much. And, you know, maybe he's been working on his three point shot just ad nauseum over the past four months and he's going to be knocking them down on a regular basis. But I attribute that more to the work that he put in than, you know, uh, whether or not someone's screaming in his face. I hope he holds that release after he bangs one over Tatum. Just just <laughs> for you, Michael, just for you. Um, you know, we talked about Giannis and the Bucks a little bit, but also right after we uh, did our last podcast earlier this week, I was able to go to the Lakers practice. And, you know, LeBron had an extended uh, interview session, which you mentioned a little bit earlier. He covered a lot of ground, and I really think he stepped up to the plate here. You know, it's been four months or more since LeBron has done in-person interviews with the media. And, you know, that's a long, long time without LeBron. I think he made a comment that the thing that he missed the most during quarantine was his mom. It was like the longest period of time in his life he'd ever been sort of separated from her. And I completely agree with that 100%. Same. I also I also miss LeBron, though. You know, it's a four, <laughs> month, four months without LeBron was a lot of time without LeBron, Michael. Um, and, you know, he, he wound up talking about the quarantine. He talked about, uh, you know, Representative John Lewis. Um, he talked about just the weirdness of 2020 and how, you know, adjusting the, to that can be, you know, uh, you know, stressful for basically everyone. I mean, he, he really had a lot of different takes. Did anything that he say really jump out to you or stick out to you or, or feel meaningful in that particular moment? I bring this up mostly because we talked about how tricky it is with the access down here, how we're not supposed to walk up to players, how we can't go over to their hotels and everything else. And that puts so much pressure on these guys to kind of be engaged with their interviews uh, when they actually do the the post-practice or the post-game interviews. Um, and so I think from that standpoint, LeBron kind of met the moment um, in a way and, and really had the right type of energy. So was was there something you thought that uh, you know maybe set the tone for all of this? Yeah, I mean, before I get into the basketball answer that I want to talk about, like, I certainly echo and can relate to this being the longest time not seeing my mom. And I'm driving home to Boston this weekend to see her for the first time in, I guess, I don't even know how long, six months, seven months, which is just absurd. Is is she a Celtics fan? Uh, She, so she's funny. Uh, She likes the Celtics just because when they win, they make me happy. 
Mm. But uh, classic, classic mob her, behavior, right there. Yeah, but her. So she's Italian. So her favorite players are uh, <laughs> uh, Danilo Gallinari. Amazing. Uh, Andrea Bargnani was a big deal. I remember when he was drafted, and and then my mom just completely forgot he existed. She doesn't ask about him anymore. Thank God. Um. So yeah, the Italians are uh, Marco Bellinelli, another one. Uh, so th- those are like the big figures for my mom when we talk about the NBA. That is fantastic. Yeah. So <laughs> getting back to uh, something LeBron said that I I found interesting. Uh, someone might have asked him about the MVP, and uh, you know he mentioned how people talk about how he could dominate the East, but if he went West, he'd struggle. I thought that was interesting in the context of an MVP race when, I mean, I, tell me if you disagree, but that whole thing is about, like, the postseason. It has, it has nothing to do with the regular season. And I don't think anyone doubted LeBron James's ability to run through a 82-game schedule uh, in, a, you know, in that conference, even though there are better teams that you're playing more often. I mean, he's ridiculously good at basketball. It's more about not getting to play the Detroit Pistons in round one and then DeMar DeRozan's Toronto Raptors in the conference finals. That's like, that's what that is, right? Like, so I thought that was a pretty uh, funny comment that he made. It was a strange comment. I think he was really trying to emphasize in that answer the the how impressive it was the Lakers were the one seed during the regular season, right? Um, I think that's where he was trying to go. It's like, oh, people didn't just think I could put up stats anywhere. It was also that I could like lead a team. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I mean, so congratulations. You're the one seed in the Western Conference. <laughs> like, you missed the playoffs last year completely, right? And so I think the the critics who made those kinds of comments, they had a point. LeBron wouldn't have missed the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, right? I mean, they, he would have found a way to do it with last year's Lakers uh, in the weaker conference. So. Um, I did like that he came out firing, though. That's always nice, you know, even if he's imagining some of these criticisms or maybe overblowing them a little bit in his own mind. At least we have a little tension. At least he's trying to stand up for himself in the MVP conversation. So that's great. Um, Now that we know for sure that the MVP will be given to players based solely on the games played before March 11th, these extra regular season games are going to count for statistical purposes and for record purposes, but not for awards voting. Um, are you ready to crown your MVP right now, Michael? Would you give it to Giannis? Would you give it to LeBron? Would you give it to Marcus Smart? I mean, where, where are you looking with that? Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, the last two months of the season that Jason Tatum had really put him into the conversation for me. But I, you know, I'm going to spin this and ask you a, a question, because I think we both agree Giannis should be the MVP, right? Um, assuming, yeah, because we're not basing anymore. We're not adding any more stats to it, and uh, when the season ended, he was kind of clearly the front runner. But do you think media, the media members will just be like, we kind of screwed up in the past here with LeBron, and he probably should have at least one more MVP? Giannis is like 25 years old. He'll be in this seat for a while, giving him two straight MVPs when uh, you know he hasn't even played in a finals game in his career is a little bizarre maybe i can see some old school media heads voting for lebron to course correct some of the mistakes that were made earlier in his career i can see it i hope it doesn't happen though man i I think that you know all jokes aside i mean better record better stats i think more more consistent impact 
basically across the board from Giannis. LeBron had an MVP caliber season, no doubt about it. And, you know, definitely improved on the defensive end from effort-wise from previous years. Amazing leadership role with that group. Put the roster together, all those things. I just think that Giannis was slightly better. You know, this isn't to me like a Derrick Rose situation where, you know, I thought LeBron actually had mm. the better case. This is a situation where Giannis has the best case and he deserves it. Um, we'll see if, if that's how the voters come down. Um, but, uh, you know, it's tricky. The delay in the, in the timing of the voting uh, is tough, too, because are voters going to be able to actually separate what they see over the next couple of weeks from what they might remember uh, from March? Who knows? All right, Michael, let's um, quickly answer a question here from Mario. He emailed us, openfloormail at gmail.com, openfloormail at gmail.com. He wanted to know, will you be at the games when they begin, including the scrimmages? Mario, I wouldn't come all the way down to Florida and lock myself into a (laughs) hotel room if I wasn't going to go to the games, man. I'm so excited to go to these games. We actually have the very first scrimmage game will be Wednesday afternoon. We're taping this on a Wednesday. Um, We will see what the court looks like. There have been a few pictures kind of floating out you know, early bird pictures, you know, with some Black Lives Matter signage, uh, with some spaced out benches, you know, for the social distancing. Uh, we do know players are supposed to wear masks if they're inactive, you know, if they're on the back row of, of the team, they're not supposed to, uh, you know, be out there without a mask on. And we also know players are going to have to go back to the hotel uh, to shower after games rather than showering together. And of course, there's no locker room access for media. So these are all fundamental changes to the game aspect. I guess what I'm curious to see is, what does the game itself look like? You know, guys aren't going to be wearing masks. You're going to be allowed to play defense within six feet. You know, social distancing rules don't apply there. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the lack of a crowd and how the, the, the broadcast compensates for that, whether it's with artificial noise or other visual images, um, will be really interesting to see because, of course, this is a made-for-television event. So I, I can't wait to get out to those games I'm curious, from the early pictures that we saw, did anything jump out to you, Michael? And and specifically with like the Black Lives Matter signage, did you think they got it right? Did they need to do more? I know it's, we might put that into the gesture category as opposed to the like, you know, true change category. Yeah. Um, But uh, how did you feel when you're, when you're surveying that stuff? So before I answer that question, Ben, I have a question for you. So I I know looking at the schedule today that there are simultaneous games going on at the same time. Uh, How are you picking which games you are going to attend? History, Michael. I'm going to the first one. I'm going to the very first one. I think it's uh, the LA Clippers versus who? Like the Orlando Orlando Magic. Orlando Magic. Yep. 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 So I just needed some, you know, Markel Fultz in my life, I guess. I don't know. yeah, the, the Clippers have been a little bit coy on who all is playing, you know, whether they're going to actually like, you know, have Kawhi out there or Paul George out there. But to me, it was all about the milestone game, the first one. If there's only one, I will have been at the first one, Michael. That's that's how I'm looking at it. I like um, where your head's at, yeah. And then uh, on Thursday, I'm going to be going to the Lakers because they have this guy, LeBron. He's he's mm. he's the real deal, Michael. I, I've, yeah. been hearing, I've been hearing from a lot of local scouts in Ohio, middle school basketball scouts that say this kid has a future. <laughs> Um, and also, uh, I'll be going to the Bucks uh, as well because, uh, you know, obvious reasons. So that's kind of my lineup for this week. We'll see how many more I go to. I want to see the Rockets for sure. Um, you know, I think they actually play the Raptors maybe on Friday. So mm-hmm. I'll be checking that one out. Um, but I will say this. It's a great question you asked because there's like this buffet aspect to it. You can't eat it all. You know, I can't go to every practice. I can't go to every game, every scrimmage. There's too much, right? So 
I've got to kind of pick and choose salad bar versus slice of pizza versus, you know, ice cream sundae. Like at some point you have to make some some decisions and uh, it's tricky because, you know, you're only one guy and there's 22 teams here. And by the way, some of those teams are sliding way under the radar. Uh, one of the games today, I believe the Wizards play, we can see who requested um, to go watch it. I believe there was one media request to go watch the Wizards game. So uh, th- that's almost like a personal. Pre- <laughs> it's almost like a personal show or presentation for that writer. It's pretty good. Uh, shout out to whoever that is. I, I like I like where their heads at. Uh, to answer your initial question, I mean, it's I, I saw the photos of Black Lives Matter unveiled on the court. I I mean, you know, I I think someone who is cynical could say that that was that is performative and to meant to just appease people who are kind of a little upset including players that they're playing during this time but i mean it is you know at the end of the day it is better to have black lives matter on the court than not have it on the court i don't think anyone would disagree so in a world where not everyone can have what they want that's that's a win i suppose I think one of the funnier aspects of this was just the socially distanced seats on the bench. And, like, I'm not a doctor, and I understand that it lessens the probability of spreading COVID, but also these guys are playing basketball. So they're going to be touching each other and breathing on each other. I just, is that excessive, do you think? And also, like, when there are, uh, you know, during games, players are constantly communicating on on the bench, right? They, they're they going over what they're seeing and they're talking about strategy. If you have to, like, yell, do you think this, like, dis, uh, this lessens the, the, the likelihood for communication? And if players are communicating in an empty gym yelling out what they think, like, are is that going to be picked up on television? Like, I, I just think all of this is so funny to me. Well, the thing with the uh, social distance benching, you know, like what's the point if the games aren't going to be social distanced? It does remind me a little bit of my old habits where I would drink like eight Red Bulls a day, but I'd be like, you know what? It's not so bad. At least they're sugar free. <laughs> like It's like, no, that's obviously terrible for you. Like, what are you doing? Uh, but you try to have those little like bargaining moments in your life where you're like, well, yes, we're playing a sport that's definitely putting players at high risk because it's indoors and it's close contact. They're sweating on each other and mm-hmm. all that stuff. But guess what? they're sitting six feet apart on the bench. So it's completely fine. Like, you know, you just, you tell yourself these stories in defense of the league on that one. Um, there were some things if they wanted to put games on that they absolutely couldn't compromise on, right? You can't socially distance on the court. You're not going to be able to get guys to not sweat. Like, you know, there's just things that you can't work around. They do need to be committed to doing absolutely everything possible other than outside of that gameplay to reduce risk. So I think it's worthwhile because I, you know, whether it helps or not, it prevents an outbreak. I, it's not a clear yes or no question. It's more about reducing uh, risk as much as possible and it, it helps. So you might yeah. as well do it. Yeah. I think that's important. And I also think the visual aspect of it, um, it's contradictory to the viewer to watch players uh, playing when it's close contact, but also it, it does send a, a certain message to the audience of like, look, the NBA is trying to be on the right side of history. At, le- at least they understand the science. They're backing up the science by, you know, having guys wearing masks and, and doing those kinds of things. Personally, every time I see a photo of an NBA player wearing a mask, I do a silent cheer because maybe that picture gets through to somebody about the importance of wearing a mask, right? So same deal with social distancing. This idea that 
you know, people are still out there trying to have weddings or trying to have other events indoors. It makes me pretty ill, you know. And at the same time, you know, I'm I'm here trying to go about my daily business and, and working and occasionally being in indoor scenarios with, uh, you know, in close contact in ways that I never would have been if I wasn't working. And so I do think if you can send the right message, it's important to do so. And if they hadn't done it, I would have judged the NBA for it harsher. So I'm glad they did it. I guess that's it, where I come down. Yeah, it doesn't. It would not look good if players were sitting next to each other without masks on the bench. And also, I suppose there are maybe maybe it lessens the uh, likelihood of spreading it to a coach or something like that. Also, um, but yeah, to second what you just said, like if you're listening and you're planning on having like a birthday party or something like that, please just postpone it. It's okay. Um, there will always be next year. There will always be. Uh, the the I was gonna say the fall, but that's also probably not gonna be a good time to have a party inside. Um, but just be patient, and this sucks for everybody. But the sooner that we all kind of follow the guidelines, the sooner we can get out of it. So, so yeah, that's what I just wanted to echo from what you were saying before. Very well said. Hey, we got a couple of questions here, real quick. Just kind of like you know, inside baseball type questions from Joe Keem in Sweden. He writes. I think everyone knows how difficult and expensive it has been for the newspapers and media outlets to get their personnel down there. Ben, does that make you feel pressure that you have to get something special? Do you feel more pressure from this than covering an ordinary NBA finals? Um, on that one, Joakim, look, it's the most cliche answer, but I feel internal pressure every single day to do the best that I possibly can. Hopefully that's good enough um, for the paper. Yeah, You, you don't want to dwell on how much it cost or you know how complicated it was to get down here, any of that stuff. You just want to do a great job every single day. And I realize now... I'm sounding a lot like Coach Bud, Michael, so maybe I should move on. Uh, but, you know, that, that's really what it's about. It's just being fully committed to the task down here. There are very few distractions. Um, I'm finding myself with no shortage of events to go to and, you know, clips to post and, you know, interviews to do and stories to write and everything else. And so I feel very reinvigorated and excited to be down here compared to where I was in March and April when we first, you know, we're, we're kind of basketball was taken away from us. I'm a much happier person, a much more energetic person. I'm waking up without an alarm, Michael, every single day. And so that's a, that's a nice feeling. Now, his second question is, do all the restrictions given to the journalists in terms of where you can go make it worthwhile to be down here? Or do you feel like you could do the same work from your couch at home? I think on this one, uh, it's a tricky answer. I would say for sure, I'm, I'm glad I'm down here a thousand percent. I'm glad that I was able to get cleared health wise. I'm glad that we were able to secure a spot, you know, with the Washington Post down here uh, because there's just a lot of color and, and funny stuff to see. I mean, Michael, last night, Scott Foster, everybody's favorite referee, was just throwing it down on the pickleball court, sweating through his shirt, just going nuts at the pickleball. And it's just like funny scenes <laughs> like that. Uh, where I'm just thinking like, man, like this will never real probably happen again. I mean, this is sort of feels like history in the making. And, and those kinds of weird things are definitely going to stick with me. Um, also, uh, as I mentioned earlier, LeBron really brought it with his interview. I thought Giannis did a nice job with his interview too. The key is that these guys stay invested in those situations. If we're able to get those kinds of questions uh, answered, you know, we're going to be able to do our jobs. It will be worthwhile. I think that trying to cover this thing remotely to do the job that I specifically have to do would have been more difficult because then you're basically limited to like one question per Zoom call to whoever you want to write about. And that's, you know, an even trickier proposition. Um, and, and plus, I just love the sport, Joakim. So, you know, being here and being around it and all the people who kind of make it go, 
uh, has, you know, not that I feel like part of the family or anything like that, but you do feel this like kind of collective enthusiasm, um, you know, about this event. Well, Ben, I just want to say real quick, keep it brief, uh, not to let your ego get too too large. I don't want your head to swell, but I Uh-oh. think you're doing it. You don't know you're where doing, this is going. <laughs> you're doing you're doing a terrific job. I'm enjoying everything that you are you're putting out there on your Instagram and uh, the you know the I just it's really easy. It's like one stop shopping with you. You know, you just go to your Twitter account and scroll down, and you get all of the the the, the stuff that matters. You're really good at kind of delineating the the fluff from the actual content that people want to see and that will catch on. So hats off to you, my guy. So we have a problem, Michael. Um, I'm not sure I have outgoing mail, so I don't know if I can send you the check. I, I know I can receive checks, but I don't know if I can send checks here, but I appreciate you saying that. Hey, we got a couple other questions that are a little bit less bubble-related, and some of them are just follow-ups from our previous conversations. Um, so this one is from Ben. He says, hey, guys, a while back you mentioned that superstitious players may change um, the, the names on the back of their jerseys if they played poorly. But what if the opposite happens? What if a fringe player breaks out because he's wearing vote or equality on his jersey? Would the NBA allow him to continue wearing that next season? If not, do you think a player would change his name to keep the same wording on the back <laughs> of his jersey? Would we finally get some names as legendary as World Be Free or Meta World Peace? Michael, take this one away. I feel like this is right <laughs> up your alley. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that, I mean, I, I go back to what Anthony Davis said, which is that he's really proud of having Davis on the back of his jersey. I think people have pride to wear your names on your jerseys. I, I know when I played sports, that was like a really cool thing, having your number, having your name, uh, representing your family and your lineage. But like... Michael, the first time you got your name on your jersey, you felt like a pro athlete, didn't you? Didn't you oh, feel course. like you, you played for like the Red Sox or the Celtics? You're just like, oh yeah, I made it. It's real now. It was... I, I'm getting chills even thinking about it now. It's like Little League Baseball, baby. It's, take me back. Um, oh man, we had some Beaverton Beavers. Like Beaverton uh, Youth League Baseball jerseys. Our jerseys were like uh, basically the Red Sox hat with white and red pinstripes. And my jersey was at least four sizes too big. I mean, this thing was hanging down past my <laughs> knees. I, I, I needed like three belts to keep my pants up. We had the stirrups, the red stirrups. We were balling, Michael. And on the back, it said Gulliver. And man, you know, I just like go to sleep thinking about that thing, just, you know, picturing my future, uh, you know, as, as arguably uh, the next great first baseman Hall of Famer. Can I cop that on Mitchell and Ness? Is that available? Do you know? <laughs> We're still working on it. All right. Okay. Still working okay. on it. Um, uh, but, but no, I know what you mean, though. Yeah. But really quick, like I, you know, if a player, if Kyle Corver changes his last name to Kyle and he's Kyle Equality, like shout out to Kyle Equality. I think that would be pretty funny. I don't anticipate any players actually <laughs> changing their last names. Uh because they're playing well with that on the back of their jersey. But I, I do wonder if going forward, you know, next season, it's not like racism is going to be going away anytime soon. So, you know, I'm wondering if players want to keep these uh, social justice messages on the back of their jersey next season and the season after that. Is the NBA going to allow that, do you think? I don't know. It's a fascinating question. Um because once you open it, it's like you know that they're willing to do it, right? And they've they've experimented with the nickname jerseys before, um, a few years ago. So, 
the typical standards have now been changed. And I could see some players wanting to stick with their message, especially, I mean, the one that really jumps out to me is like Black Lives Matter. Like I could see players just wanting to always have that. Um, And it would be very weird and uncomfortable and petty to be like, sorry, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter, but they don't matter that much. We've got to have your name on the back, you know? So Yeah, uh, but I I also wonder if maybe on a, semi-permanent basis going forward or indefinitely that the NBA could just put a Black Lives Matter like patch on jerseys you know what I mean that's a that's a great idea that could be a good compromise solution I think the other uh, angle that we need to mention here is that there's major merchandising implications too right like these companies have to print up hundreds of thousands of jerseys for stars uh, and usually with their names on them often they're doing them in advance of the season Um, If you're changing names, I mean, that's the reason why guys aren't allowed to just change numbers whenever they want, you know, because there's a financial component to it. So there may wind up needing to be a stricter rule than we're thinking right now to satisfy the uh, merchandise partner, which is Nike at this point. So I guess the the long answer there is Michael doesn't anticipate anyone changing their name to Kyle Equality. And um, (laughs) so we're not expecting that, Ben, but we like where your head was at. And I guess to be determined on the on the future of the jerseys. I also think this is another one that, that falls in that category of everyone's just going to pick up the pieces after the Orlando bubble and try to kind of, you know, see how, see what worked, what didn't, and kind of reassess from there. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare open a limited time 11 month certificate at kemba financial credit union at 5.25 percent apy it's more than triple the national average plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money visit your local branch or kemba.org cd for details offer expires may 31st 2024 apy equals annual percentage yield restrictions apply 500 minimum and two hundred fifty thousand dollars maximum deposit advantage status required comparison based on bank rate average federally insured by ncua Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. All right, Michael, we've got some other questions here. Um, Josh from Lacrosse wants to know, I've loved the podcast, been listening for two years. 
I was listening to you guys discuss the Sixers' awkward dynamic between Embiid and Simmons and how they may need to make some drastic changes. This got me thinking of potential swaps. What if the Thunder traded Chris Paul for Ben Simmons? There would obviously need to be some matching salary or other picks or pieces, but I could see Chris Paul orchestrating an efficient offense with Embiid and uh, other guys like Josh Richardson and Tobias Harris around him. The Thunder could rebuild with Simmons, uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Danilo Gallinari. What do you think? Uh, Michael, any possibility? Did you hop over to the trade machine and try this one? Do you get where he's going with his concept? What do you think? First of all, where, what, what and where is lacrosse? That's an incredible place to be from, I think. I, 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 I did, think not, I did Wis- not look it up. I'm pretty sure it's Wisconsin. Uh, it might not be the only lacrosse, but I know there is a lacrosse Wisconsin. Okay, well, shout out to Lacrosse, Wisconsin, and all of our fans and listeners there. Um, I did not even take the time to look this up on the trade machine because <laughs> you didn't even just... read the question because you got hung up on his city, Michael. Come on, there is just no no chance in hell that the Philadelphia 76ers are going to trade Ben Simmons for someone who is ten years older than him. That's just not going to happen, and it stinks because honestly, I don't know if you feel the same way but if Chris Paul was on the Sixers right now instead of Ben Simmons I would pick them to win the championship is that a hot take wow it's a spicy take I like it um I I hear what you're saying I mean Chris first of all Chris Paul is awesome like he had a really really good year so I hear you on that the fit would be so much better I think Josh unfortunately this one is a fantasy basketball trade I think if you're trading Simmons you're probably doing so for uh, younger, cheaper, more versatile contracts rather than trying to you know bring back a huge max level contract just because they've already got a huge uh, investment in Horford. I mean, that, that Horford contract kind of handicaps them in a few different ways. Um, so, you know, I think that they're kind of stuck from a, a salary cap standpoint, which, which makes everything that much more complicated. And same deal with the Tobias Harris trade. I mean, they've got some deals that they're going to have to move. The, the teardown, whenever it comes, is going to be painful and it's going to be filled with a few losses for uh, you know, Philly's front office. Yeah, I do think, though, if you were to make a trade with Simmons or Embiid, uh, particularly if you traded Simmons, it, it, it would have to kind of be one of those rare star for star deals. And the only one I can really think of is like the only star who's seemingly available right now is Brad Beal. And I mean, on paper, that would make a lot of sense, I think, for both sides. Philadelphia is obviously not wanting to do it because Brad Beal can become a free agent pretty soon. But in terms of just on-court fit for them, I I probably wouldn't be going willing to go so far as to say that Philly would win the championship. But the fit is just so much better with Beal instead of Simmons next to uh, Joel Embiid. And then if you're Washington... You get a slightly younger player who's, I mean, you could just kind of build around him from scratch and in, in Ben Simmons, and I think that would make a lot of sense for everybody. So, plus John Wall and Ben Simmons are both clutch clients, so there you go. I like that idea. I'm going to give you another star, for t- star proposal, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to say it. I'm going to listen to your reaction, <laughs> and then we're going to move on to the very next question. Are you ready? I'm ready. Ben Simmons for Kyrie Irving. What do you think? <laughs> so good. I I I'm speechless. I'm, I can't, I can't speechless. Believe, yeah, no, I can't even believe that I never even considered this. That's damn. It's, that's a good it's, one. It's so Shout good. Out, that, is, that is wow. I am very impressed by you. And I, you know, if I was Sean Marks, I'd be like 
making phone calls every two seconds trying to make this happen. Let's get on the blower, Elton Brand. Let's do this. All right, we got a couple more follow-ups. Blazer-related. Ryan writes, If the criteria for someone to use the informant line is a player who has a history of immaturity, free agency upcoming, and not only something (laughs) to gain by getting teammates out of the way, but also a perception that he's earned a position over them, then I predict Hassan Whiteside will report both Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins. Um, We had another question come in. uh, I believe it was from Luke, and he writes... You guys were discussing the return of Yusuf Nurkic to the Blazers as some sort of an X factor for the playoffs. Uh, hello. Sorry to be rude, but when was the last time any player who came back from a year out looked like their old self right away? Gordon Hayward and Chris Stapps Przingis come to mind from recent years. They were just not as good on their eventual return. To add to my exasperation after you guys put Nurkic as a possible X factor, the very next player you discussed was Victor Oladipo and how poorly he had played since he returned. (laughs) I love Damian Lillard, but even if he scores 50 a night, it won't be enough to get them into the playoffs if Nurkic sees serious floor time. Boy, Luke. Damn. uh, Taking us to task. I mean, he's got a point, Michael. So what do you think here? Um, Whether it's uh, Nurkic, you know, rethinking his X factor status or Whiteside, you know, calling in uh, some complaints against the other guys in the front court. What do you think? First of all, I mean, I'm very upset that I didn't think of Whiteside as a potential culprit here. You know, I, I attacked Jordan Clarkson and Pat Connaughton, who are two uh, players who I've interacted with before who are really cool. Um, so I didn't mean to. And then, I mean, it just... Uh, Whiteside, it does make a lot of sense, uh, right, that he would make an anonymous tip here, especially if he was notified by Terry Stotts that he'd be coming off the bench or even be completely out of the rotation, uh, which is conceivable. I mean, Portland's defense was, on one hand, Portland's defense was really bad when Hassan Whiteside was on the floor, and on the other, uh, Dame and and Whiteside had really good offensive chemistry this season. Um, And that kind of bleeds into the next part of the question, which is we we don't know what Nurkic is going to look like, but I kind of separate his circumstance from uh, those other players that were mentioned in the question because this is just such a weird uh, environment and circumstance, and everybody is going to be off rhythm, and everybody is going to be in a really weird place. Like, having four months off, if he's physically right and in shape, it's not like he completely forgets how to play basketball. So I think Nurkic... I'm, I'm, I'm giving Nurkic the benefit of the doubt that he's going to be a positive factor if the Portland Trailblazers believe that he's healthy enough to play. Yeah, I think it's a good point on Nurkic. First of all, Whiteside's just a brilliant nomination. Uh, yeah. Kudos to our listeners. We knew we had the smartest basketball listeners out there, and they just proved it for us. Um, in terms of Nurkic... Yeah, I think a lot of times it has to do with the size and scope of your role. Like if you're a playmaking ball handler and you're coming off a leg injury, that's going to be a problem, right? There is going to be a longer, um, you know, ramp up there. If you're a big guy, the mobility on defense is going to be a, a real question. He looks like he's in amazing shape, so that's a great sign because he's kind of battled weight issues over the years. Um, so I think you know being being thinner will probably help him. He's just got a soft touch, a nice shot. He's good with the basketball in his hands, and it's not like he has to break people down off the dribble. I think there's reason for optimism about Nurkic, and I also just think in general, people already underrated him. Wouldn't you agree? Like in terms of how good he was that last season, he was healthy. Oh, yeah. Um, 
so I think, and especially in terms of the casual fan. Now, I do think basketball Twitter start to really build up a healthy respect for him. Um, but I, I think that part of it is just how rough their front court rotation was this year. I do see him making an impact. Is he going to change the playoff series? Uh, maybe we got ahead of ourselves on that one. I, I agree with the emailer. Here's a creative one, Michael, from Cameron. He writes, I wanted to thank you guys for the recent discussion about the word stud. I was never aware of that context. I'm not sure how I missed it. There's so much bigotry embedded in the English language. On a semi-related note, I was recently reading about the shameful history of Mount Rushmore. The U.S. government betrayed its treaty with the Lakota people, stole the land, and defaced the sacred Black Hills with the faces of the white colonizers who facilitated the land theft and genocide of indigenous people. Given that history, can we stop referring to Mount Rushmore in a pop culture context? For example, the NBA Mount Rushmore or the Mount Rushmore of rap. This mountain was originally called the Six Grandfathers. Maybe this can replace our Mount Rushmore framework to discuss historical greats. Plus, Six gives us two more people to put onto whatever the list is. Very interesting and thoughtful email from Cameron. Michael, I got to say, I have been to Mount Rushmore. I don't know if you've been there. It's beautiful. I was, it would long had been on my bucket list. The Black Hills are absolutely amazing. I actually took a helicopter ride there um, to see the Mount Rushmore, but also the hills surrounding. It's beautiful country, very, very remote. Um, you know, out there, it, the badlands in South Dakota are just breathtaking. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a worthwhile road trip. Um, you know, it, it's tricky because obviously as an American history student, you know, growing up, you are taught one thing about the founding fathers. You revere a lot of the people who are up on that mountain. And the idea that, you know, th- these sculptors were able to put that thing together, it's kind of an impressive feat. But of course, there's all these questions that he's raising too. Um, I'm not necessarily asking you like thumbs up or thumbs down on Mount Rushmore, Michael. <laughs> um, but I, I am curious, like, did his email make you think? And have you ever been? I've never been. Um, I think it would, would be really... Would you go? I don't think I'll be going. What is it in South Dakota or North Dakota? I always forget. It's uh, South Dakota. It's actually right near Sturgis, where they have this huge annual motorcycle rally. I know you're really into motorcycles, Michael, yep. like head to toe, yeah. oh, yeah. leather type of guy. So I'm a biker. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. You've never been, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> I I think it would be cool to see in person. Uh, it seems really impressive. Uh, I have no like serious desire to go there though and i mean i think cameron brings up a really good point here i also think it's just going to be really really difficult to remove mount rushmore from just like the popular lexicon you know like we it's just such a common phrase that we use and everyone knows what it means when you say the mount rushmore of where i just i i get where he's going and i think you know the sixth grandfathers of is probably going to be tough to catch on uh but it would be good (laughs) i think it would be a good thing but i just think it's kind of a little uh difficult to imagine michael have you ever had a friend get you into a club like somebody knew somebody and you were able to kind of get into the club has that ever happened like you've ever pulled a string to get into like an exclusive party that normally you wouldn't have been able to get into that's how I feel as the co-host of this podcast. That's what you did to me. So, oh wow, uh, yeah, I feel very honored. And uh, every time we link up, Ben. So yeah, you're the friend who uh, gave me that exclusive. I bring this up because that's what happened with Theodore Roosevelt on Mount Rushmore. Okay, Damn. he was he was <laughs> he was buddies with the guy who who made it right. 
Like they were friends. They had some sort of a relationship. And that was the all time like, can you hook up a spot? Can you give me a VIP? Can you give me bottle service? I want to be up there with Washington, Jefferson, and Lincoln. I mean, bottom line, if we're ranking the Roosevelts as presidents, he's not even the number one Roosevelt. I think we can agree on that. And then on on top of that, um, and like, look, I have every reason to love him because he was a big national parks guy. You know, he, he was the, the kind of the first protector of the, the park lands. And, you know, that's one of my favorite hobbies to, to explore those parks. It's just a little shaky. And I've always wondered if we only have four for Mount Rushmore, did we get the right four? If we do things like the Mount Rushmore of basketball and the Mount Rushmore of rap, should we have like three greats and then one guy who like it's sort of defensible, but not really, you know, it's like more like a a buddy, buddy pick. Um, But these are my kinds of questions, you know, like with the Mount Rushmore of the NBA, for example, would it be like, okay, Michael Jordan, unassailable, Bill Russell, unassailable, LeBron, unassailable and then maybe the fourth one you know for me would be like Giannis and it's like well he's not really top four all time but like you know we're just gonna throw him a bone and let him cut in line here a little bit um it's like when I was uh I was in a a taxi in Chicago at all-star weekend and I I we I was talking about a similar subject with the driver just like who were the top three best players ever and this guy's just like MJ, obviously, his number two was Kobe, and I was like, okay, I, I, whatever, I, res- I respect that. And then number three was Scottie Pippen, and I was like, all right, can you pull over and let me get out? Like, I don't want to be in the car with you anymore. I don't trust your your judgment in anything. But that's kind of what this reminds me of. It's just incredible bias. We're putting BJ Armstrong up in the in the South Dakota hills. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's a little bit tricky. This idea of six grandfathers. Very creative from Cameron. I had never considered anything like that. I didn't know that name. It's pretty cool. I do wonder just on like the numerical side, the whole um, appeal of these Mount Rushmore conversations is that picking four is really hard, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like five is a natural number, you know, top five dead or alive, like rappers always say that, or, um, you know, top five NBA players of all time. Getting to four is tough because you're squeezing out like a Magic Johnson. You're squeezing out a Will Chamberlain. Uh, you know, depending on Kareem. how you do it, you may be squeezing out Kareem. Cor- correct, and that is painful. Like that's the whole point. And so, you know, going to six grandfathers it makes this conversation too easy. So I'm rejecting it solely on the number part. Although I love the the idea and the spirit behind what you're saying, Cameron. So I think we should stick with the four, personally. Uh, but I will maybe reconsider how often I say the Mount Rushmore of, uh, based on Cameron's email. We're getting to the end of another episode here, but one final comment or email in from Evan. He writes, I'm waiting for a cameo of Bubble Bound Ben, but I highly recommend that everyone checks out a YouTube series by none other than Matisse Tybel of the Philadelphia 76ers. It is titled, Welcome to the Bubble, and it is currently a three-part vlogging series on everything revolving around the bubble. It's surprisingly well-produced by Matisse himself. He covers all the ins and outs of the bubble, interactions with players and staff, and the daily activities. My personal favorites are him buying Chick-fil-A for the team plane and also getting stranded on a stalled boat with Kyle and Tobias Harris. So, uh, Michael, have you watched any of uh, Tybal's videos, and what do you think? So, first off, I just want to say every time I see him, it reminds me of the fact that the Celtics traded the pick that they could have used to take him for Carson Edwards, and it it really hurts my gut because he's really good, (laughs) and it sucks. 
Um, well, he's all isn't he also your type of player too? I mean, one of these 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 steals and blocks guys. Basketball dorks like you, Michael, love this guy. It's like a winners. Archetype. Yeah, yeah, I know winners. Um, but I did watch the first episode. It was I I did not know that he produced it himself. It is excellent. Uh, it's like nine minutes that you will not regret sitting in front of your laptop on YouTube. Which you can't if, say for everything. <laughs> if it flies by, right? I mean, it's smooth, it's crisp, it doesn't drag. No, yeah. Um, my favorite parts were when he, he finally gets into his hotel room. And uh, he does something that I've never done, but probably because I've never been in that exact situation, except for maybe a couple weddings where there's like a, a little gift basket for whoever's walking in. And he dumps everything out, all these different snacks, and he separates them by yes and no. And so, like, what he's actually going to eat versus what he's going to throw away. And I just thought that that was, like, peak efficient, like, behavior, decision-making. Um, loved it. I also enjoy... I, I, I love that, too, but some of his decisions, you know? I don't yeah, remember well, we exactly can't even, what he yeah. was... He was picking and choosing, but I feel like his taste was questionable, I got to say. He said yes to just about everything, uh, so I don't even know the purpose of the exercise, but I'm going to use it. Uh, I'm a little pickier than he would be, I think. But one of my other favorite moments was when he did not get any, he did not have any utensils to eat dinner. So he used the lid of uh, one of his food containers as a spoon for a moment, and I thought that that was a little his attempt at trying to be ingenious, and I, I appreciated it. Um, also, well, Tobias Harris well, is just, real quick, like, Tobias Harris, national treasure. Like, w- one of the greats of all time. I really enjoy his appearances. Well, I'm sure, you know, Amy Klobuchar was watching this video and just totally relating <laughs> to the lack of utensils. She's like, try a comb, try a comb, use a comb to eat how, your food. How, how many of our listeners do you think are going to get that? I hope all of them. It's such a good reference. Uh, no, I, I want to echo exactly what Evan said. These videos are awesome. And they're cool because a lot of the areas, you know, for someone like myself, I still can't even go to where he's going. So it gives us an added uh, layer to what these players' day-to-day lives are like. And they're also just like nice works of art. Like he's really put this thing together. Um, his parents clearly named him correctly, Matisse. I mean, it's it's good work from him. Uh, he's got real creative, uh, you know, juices and skills that I had no idea about. Um, you know, of course, I've seen him play on the court. I didn't know at all about his personality before watching them, and it certainly comes across. So, if you guys can't get enough of the bubble first person stuff, and I know there's a lot of out, uh, guy people out there who are telling me, Michael, feed it to us non-stop every day we want to know every little aspect if you're in that category definitely check out what he's doing and you know frankly you probably already are um but in any case we've reached the end of another episode of open floor michael they can check us out on apple podcast by searching for open floor that's two words when they find our page scroll down it will say rate and review tap five stars it's just that easy to help us spread the word now michael is on instagram and twitter at michael v as in victor pina i'm on instagram at ben.goliver on twitter at ben goliver i'm writing almost daily dispatches at washingtonpost.com slash sports and be sure to sign up for my newsletter just go to my twitter page it's free click the link on my bio and you can get yourself a new update every single monday and it will include a roundup of all the stories that I'm writing as well. It's just that easy, Michael. All right, until next week, I will talk to you. Talk soon, Ben.
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.